you so much for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here for a movie review edition this time. With me as always, my my partner in crime, my party mate, Kirk the Bard. I think you'd well, be a bard. Hello there, Cam of the Knight's Realm, conquester of the sixth city across the seascape of Nanderdilgabogabun. Oh, you you had it there for a bit, and then it fell apart at the end when you, when you had to come up with the fictional land. But it was you were so close. Oh, so but close. my forefathers conquered your <laughs> land, Cam of Nandragon. That's a different name than what you said the first time. What's what's I, happening here? No, no, no. Your hearing is <laughs> off because your ancestors gave you terrible, terrible <laughs> genes of hearing. You see, I have, we have tiny ears, my people. We have we have itty bitty ears, disproportionate to the size of the rest of our head. That's why you can only catch Cam with headphones that's on because right, he's embarrassed right. by them. You wouldn't be able to yes. even see them. If I took these headphones off, the land of is where you reign from, Mister Cam Wiggs. You're not wrong, but and and yet you're so wrong. Uh, I really do feel like you know Dungeons and Dragons. They have all these different classes of characters, and I feel like you would be a bard, just like our our lead man in this film, um, Chris Pine's character, Edgen, who is a bard and is basically. A, a traveling musician and storyteller of sorts. I feel like that's right at, right in your wheelhouse, Kirk. I think so too. I mean, I'm not nearly as handsome as Chris Pine, but I do feel like I would have the absurd personality at times to band people together and encourage them. I think that's I think that's me. Yeah, skipping around and playing a mandolin. It feels yeah, it's it's, the, it's exactly the kind of silly fun that you're you're into. And I, I don't yeah. know. Where I would fall, I like the I like that you see me as a knight. That's pretty cool. I feel like I, I can get down with that. Um, I would definitely want a weapon, like probably a sword, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like one of those swords that's like super. Uh, it's like a, it almost looks like three swords combined into one, like really broad. A broadsword. That's what I'm looking for. A broadsword. That's what I would want. Okay. Okay. So you okay. can you can you can slice people with it. You can also uh, smash them over the head like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, like like three stooges. And just you know, just that's <laughs> that's really all I would I need in life is options. I'm not positive on it, but I believe the broadsword was the weapon of choice in Mel Gibson's Hamlet, which oh. was an incredible combat scene. Incredible. There you go. Um, it's one that I wish that in my theatrical theatrical world don't know what word i was saying prior to that but my theatrics <laughs> my theatress it's it's you know it's top secret you i can't even tell you all the details but in my theatrical world that uh, we got to train in certain weapons and i do know that it was very fun watching the combat in this because a lot of the times when you first learn how to yield a weapon on stage most often you are training to be in a, a period piece much like dungeons and dragons mm. so it was exciting and connective for me yeah that's awesome that's awesome so yeah as you alluded to kirk and as we have heavily uh thematically alluded to so far we are reviewing spoiler free uh dungeons and dragons honor among thieves which is sort of an existing intellectual property in the sense that dungeons and dragons of course is a is a wildly popular um dice based role-playing game so if you've played it 
uh, you're pretty familiar with it. Kirk, have you, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Not a single time in my life. Yeah, well, I, I played it recently, like within the last 12 months or so for the first time. It's a good time. It's, lo- it's, a, it's, it's really just like an imagination and improv exercise, so I feel like it would be right up your alley. There's lots of like having to explain your actions. Like, sure, you roll dice to decide... For, for the dungeon master to decide what happens with you, but there's lots of improv in it and creating your character and stuff. So it's a good time. And so this is like based on that in the sense that there are certain classes of characters and, and species and things like that, that are, are common in the game that appear in this movie, but it's the first Dungeons and Dragons movie um, that there is. And it's, for all intents and purposes, new in terms of film. So that's that's kind of exciting because we haven't had much that's new-ish recently. I'm, a, I'm all for it. I would <laughs> gladly play a game of Dungeons & Dragons if I could be part of a group that has... I guess you can't join a new group because you can't just like in you know come into the, the, the narrative that's already happening. But if someone is wrapping up uh, a series? yeah, a campaign, campaign, a campaign. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm gonna get absolutely murdered by <laughs> <laughs> people are throwing tomatoes at their at their phones right now as they listen That's to right. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing them on the screen. <laughs> um, Jokes on them, really. It's true. It's true. You've ruined your phone, sir. Um, I think that that would be fun if I could join and then drop out if I'm terrible. Like you can kick me out if I'm bad at it, but I would love to. Try. I don't think you can be bad at it. I really don't like, I think if you have a good dungeon master and you've got, you know, which is really the key, you know, and you wouldn't be the yeah. dungeon master cause you've never done it. And I, I mean, I could never do it, but uh, if, you know, you really can't be bad at it. So yeah, you just need to find some friends who are starting up a campaign or find some people who are finishing up a campaign. And just get into it. Beautiful. This time next year, Kirk's going to be the biggest dungeons and dragons <laughs> nerd in the history of the world. It's, I can't <laughs> wait. It's, it's, it's the right journey for you, Kirk. I can't wait to see it happen. It's coming. <laughs> All right, let's get into this film. Spoiler-free review here, so we're not going to get into any of the twists and turns. There is a um, a mid credit scene, I believe, on this film. Man, I can't even remember. We saw it a couple days ago, and I already can't remember. That will, you know, we're not going to spoil any of the things that happen toward the end or, or what have you. We're just going to talk about the movie by its merit and whether or not it deserves uh, some critical acclaim from us, Kirk. So... Why don't you kick us off with a little uh, synopsis of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I have gone back and forth on this synopsis, so just stay with me. I'm going to try to stay with myself in the meantime as well, because I wrote out a synopsis and I'm like, you know what? Kind of a spoiler. I went back and rewatched the trailer. I'm like, so I'm going to keep this very careful, very careful. Um, Edgin, played by Chris Pine, and Holga played by Michelle Rodriguez, set out on a quest to save something. I won't tell you what that something that has been captured by an evil, dark sorcerer. But no hero can complete their journey alone. In order to unlock their potential and greatest strengths, a series of side quests must also be completed. Can our heroes learn to work together? Can they escape both dungeons and dragons on their quest? Can they save themselves along the way? Dungeons and Dragons now playing in theaters. I love it. That's good. You 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 treaded lightly there, and I think that it was the right call. Thank you. I, I think you were perhaps over safe, but that's not a bad thing. You know, you don't want to you don't want to 
spoil anything. And I think you're right that, it, you know, the thing that you're referring to is not in the trailer. So in that case, it's kind of off limits a little bit. Right. It's hard. It's hard because it's hard. you find out about it very early on. When, it's central like, the to the plot of the film, but you don't know it going into it. So two minutes in, you're like, I'm in. Right. So I got to keep it out. So you will find out what that is in this film. That's right. That's right. All right, let's get into it, Kirk. We've got a, a whole cast of characters, really interesting cast here. Um, <laughs> one of those movies that that almost feels like uh, execs were like, "All right, we need to do this," and threw a dartboard to cast their team because it's it's kind of a hodgepodge of actors, like people you wouldn't necessarily expect to be thrown together. But we're going to discuss how this ensemble works and if it works. And so, Kirk, for that, I need to know who you're giving the award to for and the Oscar goes to the best actor. It's so simple. I know you already expected it and anticipated it. My Oscar absolutely goes to Chris Pine. The best of the Chris's. Some might say, Debatable. I might say it. What? Debatable. Debatable. He says, well, that's fine, but you are factually wrong. He's the best Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this could be Chris Pine's comeback tour. I feel like when he came onto the screen after Star Trek in 2009, he really could do no wrong. Prior to that, he was in Princess Diaries 2. That was probably wrong. This, uh, th this, the, the stretch of movies after that was absolutely incredible, um, including, you know, best actor campaigns and best picture campaigns and all this sort of thing. So he has so many films out there in the past five years that haven't performed well. And I feel like script selection, script selection is so critical to an actor, whereas he might be picking parts that are good for him, but he's not picking parts that are good for him. And also the movie is good. So he can play all those roles, but if the movie doesn't have even decent acclaim, then it's just going to get swept under the rug. This feels like a return to form if for something that as an ensemble group that complements him and allows him to shine as the best actor uh, in the film as well. Um, I, I really just love how silly that he, he is allowed to be as the bard. And I love how he is confident of himself most of the time. And then when he's not, he doesn't really allow anyone else to see it, but it's still there and the audience can see it. So there's definite, it's not just a slapstick role. There's definite uh, weight to this character as well, which I never thought I'd be saying about a film called Dungeons and Dragons, but the narrative of this story is very strong and it would not be complete without the well-rounded character that Chris Pine puts the effort into. So I'm very happy to announce that tonight. I'm, I wish that at some point, I feel like we have somewhat similar hair. I mean, he's got better hair, um, but I, I wish that I could be um, in a film with him one day, maybe as his lesser handsome younger brother. Uh, this is no longer uh, a conversation about Chris Pine winning my best Oscar. I really just want to meet him one day yeah. and, and I'll wrap up there. We're devolving. We're devolving into an yeah. entirely different area, but <laughs> that's okay. That's good, Kirk. I'm glad. You know, you have to have dreams in this world and if that's yours, then I'm here to support you in that, Kirk. I really am. Thank you. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. My, and the Oscar goes to is also going to Chris Pine, who. Um, as Kirk said, just plays a really, really well-rounded protagonist in this movie. He's layered. He's got tons of different dimensions to 
his character. He's got tons of different personality attributes that make him interesting, but he's consistent. And what makes a good protagonist um, in terms of writing is that they have strengths, weaknesses, but values. I think values is what's most important. And that's what this character has in its back pocket that is so strong throughout the movie and governs his behavior in, in a way that is just consistent and, and great for the story. And Chris Pine honestly was the perfect choice. It was, you know, you look at this and you go, why would Chris Pine be in a Dungeons and Dragons movie? That seems like an odd choice for him. That movie feels weird. I don't know. At least that's, this is where my head was at, but you see it and it just works so well. He, he does an incredible job and I don't really have much to build on beyond that. I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. Perfect leading man material there. I love how you said values because one might say that there is honor among thieves. Oh, and... there you go. There you go. Well done. It's all right. It's all right there, Kirk. That's the subtitle. It's actually called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, but we shorten it yeah. to Dungeons and Dragons. I'll stop whispering now. Which is a, it's a bit of a mouthful the title yeah. but the, it kind of had to have a subtitle i don't know it, it, they were they were stuck between a rock and a hard place there um yeah. but I, I like it it makes it makes sense all right kirk now let's talk about the party when you play dungeons and dragons there's you know your party of people your, who are okay. with you on the campaign your your compatriots your comrades and there are lots of supporting actors in this film, some that are in the edge in Chris, Chris Pine party and some that are outside, you know, your villains, your ne'er-do-wells, et cetera. Uh, Kirk, where are you going for your scene stealer? Ah, I'm glad you asked. My scene stealer goes to none other than Miss Sophia Lillis. She was the star of the Cancelled Too Soon series, I Am Not Okay With This, where she has telekinetic powers. And of course, more importantly, she was part of the It reboot the film series um and this is also i feel like her comeback tour i really enjoyed her performances in that you know i recently saw a video uh, in fact it was earlier today about robert downey jr in, in an interview saying that how the cgi is everywhere there's green screens and there's uh people in in full green suits putting on his armor as he walks through to make it look like it just materializes and he says you really have to sell it he's like and i hope i i hope that's what i'm doing it and what sophia lillis does in this movie is she sells it like I believe every bit of her character um, you can see from the picture she's got horns so you know she's not a human you know that she has powers of some sort or you can imagine so the powers that she holds and the path that she's on and how she joins up with these this band of people is very fascinating and she holds her own from start to finish in fact looking at the actors in here i believe she would be the youngest uh maybe her injustice are battling the youngest actor here but i mean absolutely just captured my attention throughout the entire film i loved how uh just how strong in her values as well that's probably what it is i love how you said that cam about values and there's a strong connection of values with this character which then echoes and mirrors and complements that of chris pines as he's trying to figure out what values he stands by what values or rules he breaks and what values are more important in the hierarchy of everything in your life so sophia lillis i am so glad to see you again she doesn't have a lot of projects uh, out there and i hope to see a lot more in the future Yes, dude. She was spectacular in It Chapter 1. I thought that was uh, just a defining performance, and I was certain that 
after that film, she was just going to skyrocket into superstardom a la Millie Bobby Brown or, or you know, something similar um, because she really just, she has the it factor and yes. uh, she has incredible natural talent, but it has not been the case so far. It doesn't mean that it won't happen though. And I think that this is a, to your point, a good, a really good spot for her to be in, in this movie. Um, my scene stealer, I'm going with Justice Smith for my scene stealer. Uh, really like what Justice does in this movie. And I think I'm just kind of liking his his career trajectory. Like this is a dude who, um, he, you know, he's very young. He's very young. His I think his biggest claim to fame is probably Detective Pikachu. Um, he was also in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as kind of like his, his biggest roles. But um, he's got a, a pretty wide range. Um, he, he takes on a lot of different roles. He was in that Amazon prime video film, the voyeurs with Sydney Sweeney and plays a very different role than what he's typically sort of typecast into. And he seems like he's kind of fighting against the typecast. Everybody kind of wants to put him in like this, uh, Donald Glover, uh, delicate genius kind of role. Um, or, you know, like the, the person who's not self-confident, quirky, but smart. Um, you know, the always typically African-American, you know, that trope, which is a tired kind of weird trope that shouldn't, I don't know, it, it's overplayed. And he's kind of fighting against that. And I feel like in this movie, honestly, the casting directors were kind of looking for that. And that's why they looked his way. But what he did was turn it into something different and just built a character that was really, really well built out, really layered and had an interesting character arc and it was made all the more interesting by the choices he, he made, you know, the acting choices that he made. Um, his character is kind of like on this path of self-discovery. It's almost like a coming of age story with him inside of the story of this movie. Um, and it's really well done, really well executed again on, on the part of the screenwriters, but justice Smith is the one who brings it to life. And I think that he was really well equipped to do it. I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was great. I think he's, you know, well on his way to doing some really cool things in his career. He already has done some pretty cool things and I give him mad props for, you know, <laughs> taking a role where he was probably a little bit typecast. They're trying to play to his strengths and bringing out a whole bunch of new tools from his toolkit and and showing us something else. So, Justice Smith, heck of a job. Uh he's he's a good actor and one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, he was also in a film with Elle Fanning called All the Bright Places. That's right. And yes. That was a great one, too. He was exceptional, and him and Elle had, because we're on a first-name basis, uh, <laughs> they, were, they were just really good, really good together. I, I really enjoyed that film, too. He's good, man. He's got good talents, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't want to see him pigeonholed, and I, I, I know he's not going to be because he's he's just continues to show what he brings to the table. So it's awesome. All right, Kirk. Let's talk about the uh, production of Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, this is a fantasy, epic, action, comedy, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of things going on from a set design perspective. There's a lot of things going on production design, VFX, Kirk. But I got to know where you're going for your showstopper. I have to censor myself again because yeah. I wrote up my notes. I'm like, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the first the, the there is an incredible moment in this film that really 
kickstarts this that I can't tell you about at all. It's a character that you don't see in the trailer. It's a character that's not on the the posters, and it is my by far my favorite character of this entire film. I've never laughed so hard. So to to draw the connection with this, I just have to go with the actual comedy writing of this film is so superb that when it's at its best, it is some of the the most memorable comedic beats that I will hold in my heart forever. I'm talking happy Gilmore level of humor that you will be quoting for the rest of your life. I've already said it to Cam like six times since we saw the movie two nights ago and I'm so excited to continue to do it all the time. I will show every one of my friends and family the this the little scenes that just really just drive me crazy about this movie in a good way. So really the outlandish comedy that the writers were so boldly ready to place into this and just as a reminder the writer slash one of the and co-director one of them is john francis daly if you are a big fan of freaks and geeks the one season hit and that shall live in infamy he played sam weir and they play dungeons and dragons in that show and i'm telling you he is a he was also co-writer credit script on spider-man no uh, sorry spider-man homecoming and of course, there are so many great comedic moments in that film, and that kind of mirrors here, like laugh-out-loud moments there, but I'm telling you, the comedy in this outweighs the action, not in a bad way, but just in a a refreshing way, and I just found myself having so much fun because I was laughing ridiculously loud. <laughs> I mean, me and Cam just kept laughing louder than anyone else in the theater, which was pretty well uh, well seated at, at the time that we went. So the the comedy beats the one-liners that they try to throw in there that didn't really land, uh, just like the natural comedy out of the characters. And there are quips that they that they get in there. Quips, not one-liners, but quips that they that they attack each other with versus like huh, I just beat that guy and look at me but the quips that they that they go uh, and kind of cut each other down inside their group are really fantastic I, I mean I cannot wait until I can make a silly video about my favorite part of this movie and I'll stop there because otherwise I'm going to say it out loud <laughs> I love it the comedy is such a good call out Kirk and it was almost it was almost my showstopper because it really is good and I think you used a couple words there that I, I think are just so on point for it refreshing and bold because I think it is both it's like you expect a movie like this to kind of just be like I don't know again I'm kind of projecting this is what I expected it's just like some exec figured out they had the rights to Dungeons and Dragons and was like let's throw this together it'll do a couple hundred million dollars easy let's you know, make it work and get a couple writers who wrote on some of the funniest movies of the past, whatever. And we'll throw a couple jokes and make it light and it'll be fun. But none of these bits were recycled. They were all new. They were all on tone. It, this movie has a very unique tone, all its own. And they're hilarious. There are some absolute gut busting, hilarious <laughs> bits in this movie that had me and Kirk absolutely giggling like a bunch of little kids sounding like a bunch of idiots. We were laughing so hard. We did. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's awesome. I'm glad that they went that route. And, and my showstopper is something similar in terms of the refreshingness of this film and mine's the pacing. I thought the pacing in this movie was spectacular. So pacing kind of goes in with editing in terms of what stays in the movie what doesn't the chronology of all of it, the balance between action, humor, 
heaviness, um, you know, things that are moving and things that are dialogue. It, it's just, it's a very delicate balance. And having a well-paced movie, I mean, once you start to kind of understand that concept, you will realize that a really well-paced movie is is kind of a rare bird. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's a hard thing to come by. And um, it's a key element of a great movie. <laughs> it's funny, we were just watching Frozen um, with my kids and my wife goes, man, this movie is really fast. It's really short. I'm like, actually, it's about the same length as most kids' movies, but I feel like it's just really well paced. They, there's no filler. It's, you know, it's, it's all killer. There's all good stuff going on. They balance it out. And that's what's going on here. And I realized that makes me sound like I was like mansplaining frozen. I promise I did not, I did not say it like that. I was just like, I think this is a really well paced movie. Um, and this is like that. This movie is like two hours and 15 minutes. Does not feel it at all. You are never checking your watch in this thing. There is an excellent balance between, um, you know, action to dialogue, to heart, to humor, to, you know, fear. Uh, you know, there's a few scary parts. There's parts where you're on a knife's edge. There's tension. It's really, really well balanced. And on top of that, they have tons of different textures. You know, you think about Dungeons and Dragons, you think about all these different worlds and, and uh, places you can go to, almost like Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings or like Westeros and Game of Thrones. You think of all these different textures and they do a great job of achieving that scale and taking you to all these different places and getting lots of different colors and feels and aesthetics built into this movie. And all of that just makes the thing really hum. It just really moves nicely. doesn't feel rushed. It just feels like it's right in that pocket the whole time. And I, I love that. And, um, it gives this movie an insanely high degree of rewatchability, which is key for, for movies to have staying power. And it can't be underestimated. Honestly, a well-paced movie, it can, it can elevate what would have been a mediocre movie to a really, really high ceiling. So um, it's not to, be, not to be trifled with. It's, it's dead serious. So pacing was money. You couldn't see me, but my hands were like, oh, you could see me cam, but the audience, like my hands were like just jolting, pumping in the air when you said pacing, because that's spot on. That is so spot on. We watch a lot of movies and there is usually, (laughs) unfortunately, in most cases, we're like, how did we get here? How long are we going to be here? (laughs) I'm over this. (laughs) This seems like we've gone off the beaten trail and pacing was very strong in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, dude, it's it's one of the big things, man. It's what makes this movie what it is, so we'll see. But Kirk, on the other side of this, what did our directing duo get wrong? What choices were made that shouldn't have been made? What do you got for director's shoes? Director's shoes tonight. I have three. I can't speak too much on them. Again, getting back into the spoiler-free life is hard for me. Michelle Rodriguez, as you know, is in this film. She plays Holga. I believe she was terribly miscast. While she tries her best to make her character work, I feel like she would have been better suited as a completely different character, whether that would be a newly written character specifically for her or taking Holga and making her something else. I believe that her strengths do not did not do her uh, did not put her in the best light, unfortunately, in this film. Then there is a completely completely throwaway character in this film that I was just bored with from the moment that they stepped onto the screen. I won't spoil it for you because I don't want you to, uh, to hold it against this actor to say, I'm not seeing that because Kirk, 
and gave him a popcorn for breakfast said, don't go see that actor in this movie. Um, but they could have cut this character out and uh, I wouldn't have been sad about it at all. And then finally, Chris Pine has a critical relationship in this film that does not fully develop and they do not fully connect. And it becomes inconsequential because of the rest of the story surrounding all of the individual journeys and the, and the journey of the ensemble all together. But you would think that this very critical relationship, if you've seen the movie or if you plan to see the movie, you would think that that one matters the most. It didn't come to full fruition. That was annoying for me. It was very annoying for me because it was an easy win uh, for Chris Pine, and it just wasn't well directed, honestly. Uh, someone should have called it out and said, hey, we need to fix this, and they didn't. Those are my director's shoes notes. Nice. Good stuff there. Um, my director's shoes, I think the big one for me, I think, Kirk, I mean, you called out a few of, of the of the ones that, you know, there are there are a couple of, of character choices that are, in terms of like the actual characters themselves being included in the film that are like, hmm, there are some acting issues on a few different performances in the film. And the big one for me is the VFX at times in this movie really failed it. They had this really nice thing going, I think in the first, first act where they used a lot of like practical uh, effects in terms of like, if someone was, a bird person, they looked, you know, they were, they were dressed as a bird person. It wasn't like CGI. They didn't have a CGI bird head. Like they were a bird. Like they, they had hair and makeup and all of that to look like it. And and likewise, if you were a monster of sorts, it was all makeup and practical effects, which is good. But I think when you get into the latter half of this movie, as the stakes raise and they have to go bigger with their um, gimmicks and, and battles and things like that. And you get a lot of like, really CGI heavy stuff. It just really fails it. And it, and it doesn't mesh with the visual aesthetic. I actually kind of like what they were going with, with the practical. And I think they could have gotten away with a lot more there. And because there's, there's this sort of like delightful campiness with it that just really fits with the movie. It's just kind of like hilarious and stupid. And, and, and there's parts of it that just feel like it should be. And I almost feel like that's what they were trying to go with for, with the CGI too, is like, Everything else here is campy. Let's make the CGI campy, but it it kind of crossed the line between campy and bad, and and at times just like kind of took you out of the movie. So um, didn't love that. But there, are, you know, it's it's really inconsistent. So I think that's one of the one of the big things. Other than a few other, just like like Kirk said, story and acting notes. Um, the VFX was the was the big one for me. All right, Kirk, we're on to final thoughts and scores. Uh, let's wrap up Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Let's do this. Let's do this. There was also near the end kind of a false ending. And a lot of times there are multiple endings of films. This wasn't, I don't consider there to be multiple endings of this film, but I do wish also, this is a continuation of my director's shoes because I just thought of it. Yep. Uh, I, I wish that there was, there was a boldness that would have said, we're going to stop right here. And then you'll see the rest of this in the next film. I really was hoping that that was going to happen, uh, but it didn't. That's fine. You know, you do what you got to do. But I was, I was so close to being celebratory in the audience of saying, yes, I honestly think I would have stood up and started clapping if that would have happened. And it didn't happen. Uh, this is a very fun movie. I have not had this much fun in a movie that was, 
looking like a cookie cutter uh, dragon movie to uh, just an absolute all out great comedy. Uh, <laughs> and that's not to say there's not action in this movie. If you're coming to see this action, you're, the action of a film, this will have that. But man, I cannot stress enough how just fun and funny this movie is. And that's what really captured me because I don't watch a lot of comedies because a lot of comedies let me down. Comedy is more difficult than drama. It's very easy, uh, much easier to make people sad than it is to genuinely make them laugh so much harder. Uh, This was very well done, well structured with a few blips along the way. I'm giving this a 7.0 out of 10 kernels. I like it. I like it a lot, Kirk. Um, I have similar thoughts uh, in general on the fact that I think this movie is just, it's a ton of fun in general and, and not just in the fact that it's funny, but like it is just a really, you know, it goes back to the pacing and it goes back to the way that this thing is constructed. I just think it's it's rewatchable. It's it's so, it's somewhat memorable. I don't think it, it crosses the border of like, being an iconic thing, but it's it's the kind of movie that if they and when they inevitably announce the sequel to this movie, because not because of anything that happens in the movie, but just because all franchises are franchises and surely that's their goal with this. But when they announce it, I'll be excited about that. I'll be like, yeah, let's go let's go check out another one of these things. Um, it, I think it plays it mostly safe, but there are a lot of like. There are a lot of bold choices within the story. Even though the story itself is safe, there are a lot of, like, surprises. I guess that's what I mean by bold. Like, things that you wouldn't expect, that don't feel cookie-cutter, that feel fresh, that feel new. And that is really fun. The comedy is awesome. It's it's really funny. In fact, like, it's the exact kind of comedy that me and my wife really enjoy whenever we watch movies, so I was excited to share this with her. It's, you know, wish me luck on selling her on a Dungeons and Dragons movie, but if I can sell her Deadpool, I think I can get her, I think I can get her to watch Dungeons and Dragons. Deadpool 2 is one of her favorite movies ever, by the way. Um, So I think we can figure it out, but it's a funny movie. It's rewatchable, really well paced. Again, you're going to watch this and I don't think you're going to be checking your watch or feeling like I need to go to bed. I don't want to watch the rest of this. It feels like a really quick two hours and 15 minutes. You'll be shocked that it's that long. Um, there are a couple of areas they could have done better. The, you know, the villain could have been better too. There's, there's a lot of places with that keep this from being a great movie, but it's a really, really good movie and one that is fun and rewatchable and, uh, just a good time overall. So I'm giving it a seven, eight, 7.8 out of 10 kernels. Um, really enjoyed it. It, you know, it doesn't cross that eight point threshold for me and it didn't for you either, Kirk, but which is always like, I feel like that's when you get into like, okay, now we're talking about something awesome here, but this is really close and and a really good, really good effort in my opinion. Dungeons and Dragons joining the seven club. Dare I say the S club seven club, you know, I think that should be a thing. Yeah. I feel like I, I am always hesitant to give movies scores in the sevens and eights because, well, especially the sevens, because I feel like, it's like viewed as a cop out. You know how whenever you give somebody a scale from one to 10, they almost always choose seven because it's like the nice safe number. Uh, So I'm always worried that it's just like, sounds like a throwaway score, but it is, this movie is, is right in that pocket and that's not a bad thing. That's a good score. That's right. I agree. Well, Cam, we've given our scores and thoughts. Uh, Might I surprise you with a game? Yes, please do. 
Please do, this Kurt. Is, this is a quick one. I thought we'd have some fun. Yes. The movie we saw, of course, was Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And the name of this game is called Dragons and Dungeons, Thieves Among Honor. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I love it. It's stupid in the best way, Kirk. Just, Just fire away. As it is opposite, I'm going to tell you the opposite of a movie title that may have to deal with a quest of some sorts. And you must name the correct movie title. Okay, I'm ready. Do you have your sound effects ready for your rights and wrongs? I do. He's so ready. That was just perfectly timed. The first one, this is called, or is it... (laughs) It's called The Queen's Story. The Queen's Story. What's the opposite of a story? What's the opposite of a queen? Well, a king. Hmm. It's not exactly opposite now that I look at this. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen's Story. Is it the king's speech? Is no, it this is actually more of a... The Princess Diaries? Oh, no. wait, 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 wait. Princess Bride. No, that's not the opposite of a story. No. In fact, this one is a terrible example as we lead <laughs> Kirk, off with the game. what'd you do? <laughs> story is uh, actually, think of a synonym for story. Let's just, uh, let's just pretend the first one didn't happen. <laughs> is it the Princess Diaries? No. No? No. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've ruined everything. <laughs> Oh, it was supposed to be a knight's, a knight's tale. tale. A knight's tale. I got there right before you said oh. it. Oh, a story and a tale are the same thing. A knight is not the opposite of a queen. No, a knight would be the opposite of what? A lady? Oh. No. I'm not. A lord not is the sure. opposite of a lady. I don't know what the opposite of a knight is. A knight can be a lady if you watch Game of Thrones. I don't know. I don't know. I, I had an aneurysm when I wrote that first one. <laughs> I'm counting it as I got it. That's what I... I'm blaming oh you. Goodness. You get you I, get the X, Kirk. <laughs> I blame me too. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can get the rest of my the structure of my game correct. You you ready? Yes. The next one. Backward. Is it sideways? No. Oh Good no. Guess. Honestly, great guess. <laughs> <laughs> Back, backward. Yeah. All right, what is it? It is onward. Onward. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. That one makes sense. That right? one does. It makes sense. <laughs> you didn't trust me. You're like, well, what's, <laughs> what? what's sideways was a legit guess though. I really did. Like I was like, that's a that's a famous movie and it kind of is the opposite. It's true. You ready for the next one? Yes. Down. Up. Correct. <laughs> I better get that one. <laughs> All, everyone's on a journey, on a quest for all of these, right? Yes. That's, this is good. Okay, this next one, I think you'll get this because you have a very wide vocabulary. And mm. I looked very, very hard for the opposite of one of these words. <laughs> oh, no. You ready? Yes. <clears throat> Global dearth. Global dearth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> National treasure. That is correct. Yeah. Cam Wiggs for the win. Yes. Cam is always, if this is your first episode, 
Cam is always dropping randomly very, very like uh master's degree level words that I don't <laughs> I don't understand. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? I'm like Googling it as he's still speaking. Wow. I'm like, oh I'm like he would know the word dearth. I, I appreciate this that, in here. I appreciate that. Yeah. And how about one more? How yes, about one more? Let's do it. This one doesn't really make sense either. Great. Maybe it's not as bad as my first example. But uh, I think you'll get this one. The final one for Dragons and Dungeons, Thieves Among Honor is <laughs> <laughs> the Lady of the Squares. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. That one. Oh. <laughs> I figured out. I mean, I think that one works. Lord opposite you know, of ladies. Ring is a, is a circle. So squares yeah thank you it works well done kirk <laughs> good game except for that first one <laughs> i love that it was the first one too it just really sets things up on the right tone <laughs> it did it really did <laughs> awesome well that is the game what did you call it dragons and dungeons thieves among <laughs> that's, that's right that's I did. so stupid it's great it's fantastic well thank you guys so much for listening to our review of dungeons and dragons honor among thieves and for sticking around for Kirk's game, which was super fun. Um, we'll have to do more of those in uh, Discord or something, uh, or on TikTok. It's a perfect place for TikTok. You do lots of yeah. those, like, um, what, what is that called? That those those cards that like the pictograms. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, say what you see. Yeah, Name it's just like movie. that, and that's it's super fun. But uh, that's our review. If you saw Dungeons and Dragons or you go see Dungeons and Dragons after hearing this review, first of all. You should always go see the movies that we review, regardless of the score we give it, because your opinion is what's important to you, not ours. Um, and you should definitely share your opinion with us, because we had a good conversation in Discord just the other day, where where somebody who's an OG who has listened to this show for as long as I can remember, as long as it's been around, was like, hey, I just watched this movie. You guys reviewed it. I disagree with your review. And I was like fist pumping. As soon as I got it, I was like, yes, yes, yeah. Like, that's what I want. It's... This whole thing, it's all opinions, and it's its beautiful. Everybody has their own unique take on things, and that's what makes it so stinking fun, even if you disagree. Yes. Don't be afraid to disagree. It's great. It's great. So let us know your thoughts on Dungeons & Dragons if and when you see it, which you absolutely should. But until that time, uh, next week we'll be reviewing the Super Mario Bros. movie. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait. It's This is a long time coming. I'm... I'm nervous. I'm excited. We talked about it. There's just, oh man, this has been a movie. If you're a Mario fan that you've been waiting for, for years, decades, your whole life, maybe. Um, and it's finally here. So we'll be reviewing that and getting into all the latest movie and TV news once again next week. But until that time, we're going to leave you with a thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs and the symphonic sounds of rhetoric, the band that created our original music. Go see the Super Mario Bros. movie, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then. Bye.